So I have absolutely no way of starting these episodes off literally ever. Um, well, shit, I guess that's just going to be the intro, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Hello, hello, hello. No, that sounds like RuPaul. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. Um, how, do, how does my intro go? Hello, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentle thems, and queers of all ages. Um, it is I, Gary Fuqua, Gary Orlandis Fuqua Jr., the second. Yes, there's a difference. Um, and welcome to the fourth episode of Drumroll. The transition period. Yay. Uh, yeah. Welcome to episode four. Yes, you missed me last week uh, or maybe you just didn't give a shit. Uh, either way, I didn't post an episode last week because I'm trying to start our biweekly our bisexual week, weekly um, system of uploading episodes. Um, it just gives me more to talk about. And I actually tried. Here's here's the real tea. There's a lost episode of <laughs> a lost episode of um, the transition period. Now, I tried to record episode four last week. I just had number one. I was tired. You know, I was through, you know, I just came home from work after I recorded that. Um, and like, and I just was not feeling it. And also I had like two things to literally talk about. So like it would have been like a 30 minute episode. And I was like, eh, I don't feel like doing that. So I decided to come back this week and provide y'all with more jam packed content. I have a lot of things to talk about this week. Hopefully I don't miss every single thing that I need to talk about, but I guess I can just go ahead and, you know, talk about my week last week. Last week was okay. I mean, like I, I had my moments, you know, um, I do thank everyone for checking in on me and like, you know, being there for me. Cause I was having a bit of an emotional moment at the end of last week's episode, uh, last two weeks, the third episode at the end of the third episode, I was having a bit of a moment. Um, so thank you for checking in on me and like making sure I'm cool. And you know, it's, it's, I appreciate it. It's much appreciated. Um, but like two weeks ago, I got a tooth extraction. I had to get, you know, a tooth taken out of my mouth girl, um, which was, Okay, it wasn't that bad. It was only one tooth. Cause like I had my wisdom teeth taken out once. Um, you can only get your wisdom tooth taken out once, Gary. But you know what I mean. Um, I had to take it out once, and I also had my wisdom tooth taken out, and I had to get three teeth that were like in the back, back, back of my mouth taken out as well. So it was not the tea. Um, so I had all those teeth taken out at once, and like I was in sheer pain. I couldn't brush my teeth for like a week. It was not the tea. But this one, it was only like one tooth, and like you know, I was high for like a good like solid, I guess, two give or take th- two three hours. Um, had the gauze in. Apparently, I Snapchatted the entire experience. Which, if you're on my Snapchat, I apologize <laughs> because like I didn't even realize I was doing it. Because when you're under like that, you don't realize you're doing a lot of shit. I will say my nurse, like the woman that was helping me, like get putting my IV in and all that shit. She kept talking about the vaccine. And I was like, like, for instance, she started a conversation. She's like, are you planning on getting the vaccine? Like she just started the conversation randomly. And I was like, um, you know, yeah, uh, when it's available for me, I know there's people in line before me that like health, health, uh, care professionals and like elderly people, you know, people that need it before I do. So like, I'll wait my turn and all that. 
And then she says to me, she was like, yeah, well, I'm, I, uh, I'm not planning on getting in. I, I just don't know what's in it. And yada, 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 yada. And all this. And she was like, uh, what she, what'd she say? She was like, I guess I'm daring to be different. No, you're daring to be fucking stupid. You telling me you're a healthcare professional and you won't go ahead and get that damn, <sighs> you know, what? I would love to go ahead and go get the damn vaccine. And you have the ability to get it now and you're just going to be okay. You know, that's the white privilege. You can choose to, to, you know, I don't know. Fuck her. Anyway, I got, I got the tooth taken out. It was cool. It was nice. I enjoyed it. Um, I was high for a good amount of time. I did not enjoy the gauze. I hate having, this is gross, but like, I hate having like that soaking blood in my mouth. Like, I just hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Um, that was pretty much all that happened in that experience. As far as that, nothing really else besides work, living, living life. You know what I mean? That's all I can do. Stay black and die. But let's go ahead and get into our topic of discussions this week. Our uh, pop culture segment, whatever you want to call this. I need to figure out a name for this section. Um, first on the list, Donald Trump has fled the scene. Um, he is no longer the president of the United States. And now, uh, Joseph Raisinets, uh, Biden, Joseph, uh, um, you know, roundabout, uh, whatever his name, Robin, Robin Hood. I don't know what his middle name is. Anyway, that nigga is the president and, um, Kamala Harris is the vice president. Um, I have very, very, very mixed emotions about this. Um, I mean, like it's, it's better than the shit we had, but at the same time, we must, um, hold these individuals accountable and, um, hope that they, um, invoke change. You know, you can't really trust, you can't really trust politicians enough to where you can throw them, but at the same time, like, you know, so I mean, like, I'm glad that the transition was peaceful overall. Um, I was scared watching the inauguration because I was afraid that someone was going to shoot that nigga. Um, you know, and also, oh, Donald Trump got impeached again, you know, has to go to the house and all that. And, you know, everything has to get, I mean, it has to go through this. I don't, I, 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 I hate to sound ignorant. It has to go through another nigga to get to, to be, be able to be like a full, full thing. Um, so, uh, Trump, I'm glad that your demonic ass is finally out of that house. Um, Joe Biden, welcome. Uh, Joe Biden's now on the scene. Um, the inauguration was good. Um, let's get into the tea. Uh, so Gaga performed the national anthem, and I actually thought this was very, very good. Um, I could tell she was kind of nervous, you know, and still kind of like, wow, like in awe that she was there doing that. But I thought that she did a very, very good job. Um, J-Lo performed, uh, what's that song? This land is your land. This land is my land. She performed that song and I, uh, I thought it was good. I thought she did really good. <laughs> took me out. The ending it took me out when she went from vertical thyroid to, to tilted, uh, thyroid. I was no more good. She was like, he, he, 
I was no more good. I could not stop laughing. And Garth Brooks, your ass needs to never get on somebody's stage and sing America, America, sing uh, Amazing Grace ever again. Cause the crowd was not moving when you said, sing along with me, bitch. I, a pin drop, a thumbtack could be heard hitting the ground because no one was singing along with you, sir. Um, I'm sorry to hear you came up there with that big ass black ass, uh, all eyes matter ass hat on. Girl, I already knew it was going to be a fool. Um, I mean, other than that, like, uh, Gaga definitely did the best as far as musical performances go for me. For me, Gaga did the best. Uh, moving on, let's talk about Amanda. Can we? Amanda Gorman, the youngest inaugural poet in U.S. history, who got up there and, like, her poem brought me to tears. I must say, like I, I love, I loved her poem. I, she looks so beautiful. Um, it just really made me happy, and I'm so glad, so glad, and so overjoyed that she got that opportunity to do that. Um, because it was much deserved, much deserved. Um, and you might hear a little bit from her later on in the podcast as well. Um, what else happened at the inauguration? Um, Michelle Obama's outfit was spectacular. Michelle Obama came to remind us that like, no matter what, she will give us a fucking look. No matter what, she will turn out a look because this burgundy, um, serve that she served. Oh my God. And her hair, her hair. Oh my God. Michelle Obama, you, oh my God. I, I, oh my gosh. Um, as far as overall, I mean, it was just a boring ass, white ass, um, ceremony. I mean, I don't, I mean, I'm, I'm, I still got to go into work tomorrow. You know, I still got to, I'm still waiting on my checks. So I mean, like, I ain't really that, that, that damn happy about it, but oh well. Um, anyway, moving on. Dionne Warwick, the queen of Twitter. Dionne Warwick. Ooh, Dionne Warwick. <laughs> Dionne Warwick. Um, she, has been on Twitter lately and she has been serving so many iconic tweets, so much like incredible content for the kids. I thoroughly enjoy her Twitter. I think that she is so funny because I think that she has that like wise wisdom and also it's meeting her. Like you can tell that she's making these tweets. No one is tweeting for her. You know what I'm saying? But like a lot of people on Twitter love to, in particular black people love to refer to Dionne Warwick as, um, auntie, which in the black community calling someone your auntie or like having a, a black auntie basically like is a wise, um, sometimes elderly figure who, you know, smokes blacks and, um, you know, makes really good pot of greens and, you know, just a very wise black figure that we usually technically use as a joke. I don't think anyone walk legitimately walks around calling people aunties like that in real life. Um, and all, you know, all was good until the fire nation attacked and by the fire nation. I mean, the white people, um, this white man tweeted, at um, Dion Warwick referring to her as an auntie in the tweet. Um, and all hell broke loose. Everyone lost their minds. They, bitch, that man was drugged through the dirt for doing that shit. Because, like, how dare you, white man, call Dion Warwick your auntie? How dare you? Like, it's just like, it was just insensitive to a lot of people. 
Dion Warwick tweeted back at, at like all these people calling him out for saying auntie and all this and was like, you know, oh, he can do it if he wants. Um, it's not that serious, yada, yada, yada. Which I mean, like, if she feels that way, it's different, but it's just like, here's the thing. We, I, us as black people, we cannot ignore the mammification that black people have given, I mean, excuse me, that white people cis white people have given black women in particular, especially older black women. Like we can't ignore that like archetype that is placed upon our, you know, older black female individuals. You know, we, we can't ignore that. So like when is that is jeopardized and when that is placed upon them, um, we clearly do jump to the offense, uh, you know, <sighs> It's it's different because Dion clearly is okay with it. Like she has no issue with it. She's like, okay, you can call me this, but then when you see me in person, it's Miss Warwick. You know, it's just a respect thing. I guess since she is okay with it, it's not that deep. But at the same time, us as black people, us in a black community, we can't ignore that. Like that is something that goes on that goes on like people love to mammify older black women and stuff like that do i mean like for personally me speaking i think the person had no ill will was doing it i mean like i don't believe that they said that to dion warwick with the intention to be racist or racially insensitive however i see how it can come across that way um i don't know i i since Dion was okay with it, I guess that her word ultimately means law because I mean, like, it's not honestly, it's not about what you're called. It's about what you answer to. So, I mean, if she answers to, to it, I can't really knock her too much, but, um, Dion, please keep tweeting. I love Dion's Twitter. I love it. Love it. Love it so much. Um, moving on to someone I don't love, uh, Azalea Banks is back on the scene, back in the news. Um, Azalea Banks is in the news for two things. The first thing that she was in the news for was, <laughs> my God, was for boiling her fucking cat. Okay. <laughs> oh God. She was in the news for boiling her cat, you know, her dead cat. Uh, you know, she, the cat's name was Lucifer, which just like icing on the cake. Um, she boiled this cat, honey. Um, it was in a, and it was like in the names of like, uh, preserving the cat. It wasn't like to, you know, uh, disrespect the cat's being or body or anything like that. She wasn't eating the fucking cat. A lot of motherfuckers were claiming that she was eating the damn cat. And like, when I saw that, see, I'm one of the motherfuckers. Let me call myself out because I thought that she was eating the cat as well, but it was just because everyone was saying it. So that's what I thought she was doing. Um, but no, she was just preserving the cat because I think she's she's moved. She was moving or something along those lines and things of that nature. You know, it was it was just so random because like, of course, freaking Azealia Banks is going is like on Instagram live for the world to see boiling her dead fucking cat. Like so Azealia Banks took to um, Instagram her Instagram uh, story and she wanted to talk about people's talking about her um, probably eating this damn cat. So she said, why do you think I would eat a dead cat when I barely eat a dead cow? Which is kind of rude. Um, it's ta- called taxidermy. Plenty of hunters with 
preserved deer heads hanging on their walls. Darlings, you guys are being racist, and this is very un-Black Lives Matter of all of you. That's really, but it does. It has nothing to do with you being black. That's the first thing. It has something to do with you glorifying the fact that you're boiling your fucking cat like that's not so you can't really be mad okay you cannot knock people for how they react to this shit i mean some people were doing a little bit too much because like i i i from being aware of azalea makes beliefs i knew that it had something to do with spirituality i knew that she wasn't just boiling her cat to be boiling her fucking cat but like so, you know, you can't expect that, that, you know, you can't just drop that on the world and expect people to be like, oh, Zoya Banks is boiling her fucking cat. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, so she said, going to say Catholics ritualistically consume the body of blood in Christ at mass. Either the communion is bunk because it's replaced with true flesh and blood with bread and wine or Catholics are essentially vampires and cannibals. That's basically her trying her best to, um, to plead her case, so to speak. I mean, like, the thing is, Azalea Banks, you cannot be upset about people reacting to you boiling your cat. Like, you have to understand that that is not something that people see every single day. And yes, a couple of niggas were doing a little bit too much. Like, people were talking about how you eating it, making memes about it, and stuff like that. You're just trying to preserve this damn cat, and I feel that, because I have respect for different spiritualities and, you know, way people go about things and preserving things, and, you know, I understand that people's beliefs are different from mine, and I'm not gonna, like, you know, joke heavily on it. But, like, also, boiling a cat and posting it to the internet with the platform that you have, of course people are going to be like, whoa, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So you can't really be upset fully at that, Isalia Banks. I do you give you a little bit of the benefit of the doubt in the situation because, you know, that is your cat and you want to, you know, do right by your cat and all that. But like, girl, we don't have to, we did not have to see that damn body bag. We did not have to see that cat's fucking jaw. We did not have to see that fucking cat skull with fur still on it, girl. Like, that's you doing a little bit too damn much. Like, I, 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 Banks was also in the news for fat phobia <laughs> Azalea Banks was speaking of Doja Cat Megan Thee Stallion and Lizzo and Lana Del Rey in very derogatory ways talking about their weight calling them disgusting calling them fat things of this nature now this is what something I can clock your ass for since no one's talking to you since no one's thinking about you, no one gives a fuck for or about you, miss. So, like, okay. So, she was sitting, the clips that I saw, she was sitting with her hype gay femme nigga. I don't know who this nigga is. Um, and they're just watching Megan Thee Stallion's videos and uh, Doja Cat's videos and, like, you know, talking about how fat she is and talking about how her midsection is getting chubby and like, oh, miss, you're getting fat. You're getting fat. That's disgusting. Yada, 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 yada. And doing this, basically doing the same thing to Doja Cat. And um, she obviously, for being freaking fat phobic, was catching a little bit of flack for that. So she decided to post to her Instagram story once again and say this. Also, please give me a break about this body shaming. These girls are fucking overweight and drunk and you all know it. Quit the bullshit. How can you rap about sex and genuinely not be sexy? 
LOL. Like we get it. You like to fuck men for money, get drunk and overeat. Give me a fucking break for fuck's sake. Some people are just fucking miserable, y'all. Like, some people are just genuinely freaking miserable. Like, how can you go out of your way to say these things about girls, women, excuse me, who are not even thinking about you? Like, you have to be extremely miserable to put yourself through something like that, in my honest opinion. Like... I don't understand it. And like, there's this whole, that just caters to like the monolithic kind of notion that fat people and fat bodies are inherently disgusting. They're like not worth worthy of love, not worthy of sexual encounters, not worthy of breathing, not worthy of life, not worthy of being seen. That caters to that mentality. And it's the mentality that people have had for so many years against fat people and fat bodies. And that's disgusting. That mentality is disgusting like it's just like how can as someone that has been a big bitch for the majority of my life you know I've I've walked this earth as a fat body bearing person for the majority of my days and let me just say I wouldn't want it any other way like I really wouldn't and I'm extremely defensive when people are so blatantly fat phobic now here's the thing i don't personally see the word fat as like an insult however there's a way that you use the word fat like you know what i'm saying like she's blatantly going on her way her and this nigga sitting here watching these girls videos talking about their their stomach size and their waistline and their bust line and like all this and calling them disgusting and she's posting pictures of Lana Del Rey and talking about how she's getting fat and she's lose weight and yada, 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 yada. The same bitch that was on Wild and Out not too long ago crying and almost boohooing because she was getting joked on. Sis, you went on the show. You knew that they were going to joke on your ass. That's literally what they do. That's nigga shit. Niggas joke on niggas. And you went on there anyway and started crying. So it's just like, I... <sighs> I guess the best way to deal with Azealia Banks in this sense is to ignore her. She's kind of like Christian Walker. Like you just got to ignore them till they either go away or like become obscure from relevancy. Cause it's just like, I love Azealia Banks's music. I loved with a D Azealia Banks's music so much as I was like coming up. Cause I loved listening to her raps and things of that nature, but it's just like, she continuously finds ways to turn my fucking stomach and I just can't deal. And like the fat phobia, like it is, it goes so deep. Like this is, <sighs> that's a story for another day, but like Azealia Banks, you're on the sick and shut in list and bitch, I'm not bringing you shit. So, um, good riddance, loser bitch. Um, moving on, uh, this is something random that I just found in, um, in my trial of trying to find things to talk about for this week. Uh, so Cardi B, um, was recording herself listening to WAP, uh, wet ass pussy. And I um, mean, you know, she's just, when a song makes you that much money, I would jam to it too. So she's just, you know, dancing to it, jamming to it, yada, yada, yada. And then culture, her daughter walks in the room or walks past or she sees her daughter coming and she switches the song. Um, like, I mean, I'm pretty sure parents would do 
when they don't want their kids to hear or see something inappropriate that kids are not supposed to be looking at or hearing, um, especially when it's that parent talking about it. You know what I'm saying? Um, so like she caught some flack from, you know, everyday Twitter niggers who were basically just like, um, well, um, if you're going to do that, when culture comes by, why did you make the song in the first place? And like, how, you know, how do you stop kids from listening to it all together? And like, this is hypocritical. If you don't want kids to listen to it, don't make it. Do you really think that this woman made a record titled wet ass pussy for children to listen to? Do you think that she, while she was in the studio talking about her wet ass pussy that she was, was sitting there with the intention of being like, Oh girl, the kid, the kids at recess, they're going to bop to this sis. Like bitch, on the jungle gym, this is going to go off. No, you dumbass! Like, shut the hell up like of course this song is not for children it's not for kids to listen to you as a parent or someone that is a guardian over a child has agency to the restrictions of how you want to go about that child taking in media with this new age and i'm gonna talk about it a little bit later on but this new age of smartphones and social media and everything like that makes stuff so much more accessible like how wap was all over tiktok kids love tiktok they're gonna hear wap it's just inevitable. And yes, it was the censored version, but still, they're going to hear it. If you don't want your kid to listen to it, keep them from listening and looking at shit. That's on you. Cardi B doesn't, is not responsible for your motherfucking child. She's responsible for her own. And you see in the video, she turned off the song before culture got a chance to listen to it. Like, God damn. It's like, let, let women fucking live. Like, Azealia Manx and her shit and Twitter niggas being fucking stupid just got Lee. Like, shit. Oh. I paused the tape for a second because I needed a chance to calm down. Now that I'm back, let me get into my final topic of the week. Let's talk about Sky Jackson and this whole Jules thing. And I'm going to keep this very fucking brief because these these are kids i'm not talking about children and what they do so a video was leaked of jules who is um solange's uh solange's son and him a video of him and sky jackson from you know jesse she was a Disney channel star she was just on dancing with the stars very very pretty black girl uh very very opinionated individual love her um, a video surfaced of her when she was underage performing, um, you know, performing, not, I'm not, that's probably not the best word to use. She was doing uh, things that people do when they are in love and want to, you know, experience things with individuals. However, they were both underage in the video. I still have not seen the video cause I'm not fucking weird. Um, I just mainly want to clock the way that grown ass niggas went about this bullshit niggas what's going on what is going on you are literally sitting up here asking people for a video of a underage girl doing insert here like some of y'all niggas need to be locked the fuck up like how will you allow yourself to be on twitter willingly trying to look at underage 
Some of y'all niggas legitimately make me sick. Some of y'all niggas should have flew away in that damn plane with Trump and to never be seen again. I I hate some of y'all niggas. I really, really do. I don't understand how some of y'all work. I don't understand why some of y'all do the things you do. It's disgusting. You need to be locked up in jail. I hope you piss bleach for the rest of your life. And that's all I got to say about you. Um, Another topic that came up in the time of me recording this is Jojo Siwa apparently came out. <laughs> now if anybody that knows me knows that i have a soft spot in my heart for jojo siwa i love what she does for um kids i love how outlandish she is i I, i've just always been like a fan do i follow her like that no because she's for children but like jokingly my freshman year of college i like had kind of a not a thing for her but like i was like a fan of her and it just kind of became whatever anyway i just really admire how she is as an as an individual um but anyway moving on jojo siwa made a tiktok where she's lip syncing to born this way by lady gaga and basically she's like talking about um uh it's the line no matter gay straight or bi lesbian transgender you know that whole line she's like lip syncing it and people are assuming because uh, you know she's sitting and, and just lip syncing a lyric that jojo c was coming out of the closet here's my thing until Joel Joanne Siwa says to us as a public that hey girl here's here, here's what's going on in my in my sugar tank um here's how I'm feeling here's what floats my boat sis uh and yeah I just want to make that known uh and so forth and so on until she comes out and says something like that which the idea of coming out is so fucking dumb in itself no one should come out because who number one who cares and number two why do you feel the need to do that and why do we live in a society where people have to be so openly personal about the, how they identify? Like, there's no one's business but her own and whoever she's choosing to date. Like, yeah, anyway. Until Joe, until that girl <laughs> comes out and does that, you know, until she puts on the rainbow, uh, sketch her high tops with the sparkle bands and does, does, you know, a good jig to born this way again until she does that for us. I'm not going to assume anything about that child's sexuality. I'm, I, what do I look like until she comes out and says something formally like, Hey, I want this to be made known to the world. And she does it on her own accord. And it, because it's her choice, I'm not going to assume and be like, oh, JoJo's gay or JoJo's a lesbian or JoJo's bi or whatever. First of all, I don't care that much. And second of all, it's very weird to pin or place or project your what you want someone's sexuality to be on them. Give people time. People grow and change and become new people, different people. Bitch, when I first came out of the pussy, I thought I was going to like pussy. And here's the thing. I still do. <laughs> Just to a lesser extent. To a lesser extent. Um, anyway. But Jojo, if this is true. And this if that was your cute little way of coming out, girl. Um, first of all, that's so on brand for you. And also, congratulations. Welcome to the community. Um, you know, we have uh, lunch at 6. And um, we have supper at a smooth 8.30. You know, and then after that, we watch uh, Paris is Burning. Then we all go to bed. So uh, can't wait to see you there, sis. I'll save a seat at the table for you. Um, on that note, I'm going to take a quick short break and I will be right back.
Hey, sweets. Um, so welcome back to the transition period. Yay. Um, I wanted to go ahead and give my thoughts on the last two episodes of Drag Race. Um, I'm going to try to keep this semi-quick. Um, so let's discuss. So they had the whole Winner's Circle episode. You know, I, I no, well, first they had the, the voting the voting when they did with El- like uh everyone basically did the all-stars lipstick thing and then Elliot was inevitably the one that uh was getting the pork chop which RuPaul and whoever's the producers over at w- World of Wonder who do this damn show never do this shit again ever that was the saddest th- why would you traumatize these queens who would kill to be on this show why would you traumatize them in this way with that bullshit? And then like, surprise, all of you say, ha ha ha. Fuck that. Like, that was so pointless. Like, it's just like, oh my, like the first episode is supposed to be fun. Not sad as hell. Anyway. So basically the, the winning Queens get in the workroom. They're all feeling cocky as fuck. All of them are feeling so extremely cocky. And I'm just like, none of you have done literally anything in the competition just yet so like please calm down um and then like rue comes in and is basically like don't let anyone make you feel bad on social media yada 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 um let no one make you feel like a loser whatever he said and then um he's like i'm bringing someone back into the competition yada 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 and then they open the doors and it's elliot which i saw that coming i was like there's no way they let that girl go home like that like, if I was Elliot, I would have sued. You making me come out of my fucking humble abode during a pandemic to to be your little plaything and f- with all this fuck shit? Hell no. Um, it was a mess. So, uh, basically, they get they get to they have to do a runway with a, a day and a night look. I'm trying to remember those runways. Um, some of them were horrible. I like got mix got mixed look looks with an S. Didn't like candies. Be honest, girl. I like Lollary's night look. I liked Olivia's looks. I liked, I did not like Tina Burner's looks at all. I did not enjoy them. I love Tina Burner. I just did not look, like the looks. Elliot's second look was nice. Um, who else? Who else was in that that uh winner's circle group? I think that was all of them. I think so. I don't know if I, if I don't remember them, I was at this point on, if I don't remember a queen, that means that they weren't memorable to me. So anyway, um, so like their main challenge is to do a song and a dance to (laughs) write a verse and do a song and a dance to, uh, congratulations by RuPaul. Also, I've never heard this song until this point. Um, so they get into the rehearsal and basically, you know, production basically outs got Mick to the whole room, which I thought this was extremely invasive and and inappropriate. I mean, like clearly like, Oh, got Mick's playing like a kind of character on the show. I feel like she's feeling that archetype of like, I'm the trans person here and like trans things. And let's talk about being trans. You know what I'm saying? Which I mean like that, that representation is needed on the show. But like, I thought the way that they outed her. And when I say her, I'm talking about her drag persona, the way that they outed her, to these queens was just so messy and so gross. Like I did not like it. Did not like it. Uh, we get to the performance. None of them were memorable to me. Uh, the performance as a whole was a mess in my opinion. 
and I might sound a little bit harsh. Here's me. Okay. I'm a person watching a television show. I'm not judging these queens as like personally. I don't know any of them from Adam or Eve. This is just me seeing going based off what I see on a television show. I just want to clarify that. Anyway. Uh, so we get to the, um, the, 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 the performance. Elliot did a really good job. Olivia was good. Simone was good. Oh, also, Simone had incredible looks on the runway. I forgot about her. Had great looks on the runway. Uh, yeah, besides that, everyone else was just kind of just like there. Uh, let's talk about the runway. It was LeMay. I loved Lala Ree. I thought that she was just, I love seeing very, very pretty black girls. And I love that look. I loved it so much. I loved Simone's boxer look. I did not like Olivia's look. <laughs> I'm surprised that it was so well received. Uh, didn't really care much for candies, but I kind of liked the ref, the Austin Powers reference. Got mixed look was killer, but like, you know, you could tell that she just has money. So like, of course she can uh, uh, like pay to have like a Diego Montoya look on the main stage of RuPaul's Drag Race during a pandemic. Oh, uh, it's just me. Um, who else? Uh, yeah, this episode was just boring. Boring as hell. Boring as hell. Did not like this episode that much. Um, Olivia and Simone lip sync. That was one of the best lip syncs I've seen in a minute. Um, but the next episode had them beat. Let me just say. Uh, so like, yeah, this episode was bust. I, mean, I didn't really. Eh, I don't know. They just didn't really do it for me. Then we get to the losing girls episode. So basically, they're all in the workroom. They have to put together a look. Um. A, a vamp look, which I didn't know what vamp meant. I had to look it up. And a lady look, lady in the vamp looks. And um, basically, excuse me. Uh, I'm trying to think of what's what the looks that are memorable to me. Denali's, Denali's looks always look the same. Uh, she looked good. Her makeup looked good, but I was just like, okay, boring. I love Tamisha's looks. I love Tamisha's everything. Tamisha will win this season. I love her so fucking much i didn't think it was i was able to love a drag queen as much as i love tamisha i'm on i love that queen um i liked rose's look a lot i loved her vamp look so much um who else utica's looks were cool i'm starting to like utica and then she you know said that she loved jesus and i was like oh triggering uh (laughs) um then who else uh who else? Who else? Um, if I don't remember them, they weren't memorable. Okay. Uh, moving on. They had to do Phenomenon, a song to Phenomenon. And like, this was cute ish. I, you know, I, it was significantly better than the losing, uh, girls. Um, <laughs> to rank their, uh, verses, I would say I like Tamisha's. I loved Denali's. I loved Rose's. Um, and the rest were the rest. <laughs> I just Kamora had to have one of the worst rap verses in anything ever. Did not like it. Um, Utica's was cool. I just I have respect for Utica and her Utica Utica and her beliefs. It was just like girl the the lightning striking you down part I just, was triggering for me personally. Um. And yeah, basically the runway was some shit. Um, sheer. It was sheer. Tamisha had the best runway look. Um, 
the rest we were like okay and then uh denali and uh rose lip sync to if you seek amy and that was one of the best lip syncs of all time denali fucking turned it i was like oh my god when she started duck walking i i lived i lived like my knees could never do that and in heels jesus she was she was she was lovely she was lovely um but like next week the girls all meet each other and like i thought that i would take it upon myself to spit what i would spit if i was on drag race and performing a phenomenon as many of you know my drag persona's name is africa that's a-f-r-e-a-k-k-k-a and let me just go ahead and give out what i would do Africa's the name freaking out is my game <laughs> look at me and you bitch we ain't the same coming in hot like a phoenix from the ashes big body blue I really hope that this won't be embarrassing for me so let's go ahead and get into this <clears throat> Africa's the name freaking out is my game <laughs> look at me and you bitch we ain't the same coming in hot like a phoenix from the ashes big body black beauty with the ties to the ass and this drag race might be insane but bitch freaka ain't a lame i'm made for the game small town queen with some big ass dreams i'm a big old freak even meg know my name like what <sighs> okay um that's gonna haunt me for the rest of my life um so if you like that you like that if you didn't <laughs> kiss my ass um overall like i i have promises for this season it's just it's the third episode it already feels like it's been forever and none of them have went home yet my predictions for who's gonna go home next week are kamora i think it's gonna be either kamora or Kamora or Joey J. One of them. I just see it happening. I, I also, I don't dislike Joey J. I just don't like, I just did not like, I liked his verse. I just didn't like any looks or anything else. Um, but anyway, um, that's my Drag Race Corner. Um, I hope you love me rambling about this and we'll be right back. Hello, welcome back um, to the transition period. And um, at the end of this episode, I kind of wanted to get into something not necessarily serious, but just like kind of like spitballing my thoughts out into the universe. Um, so I had a talk this week with my uh, older sibling and we were talking about like how much the media impacts us as a society. Um and it came, it, it started awkwardly. It started, not awkwardly, but like it started randomly. It was like, um, we were listening to Driver's License by Olivia Rodrigo, which is like the biggest song in the world right now. Um, it's, if you haven't heard it, it's, it's a, it is a, lyrically, it is a great song. I really enjoy it lyrically. Um, I just have some thoughts. It's just like, it's, I don't, it's, the song itself is not for me. It's not for me. It's for 16 and 17 year olds who are crying about their high school boyfriends in the parking lot after, you know, the football game ended at homecoming. You know, that's not for me. I'm a 20 year old grown ass adult. Um, well, not grown grown, but like, you know what I mean? Uh, so it's not for me, but at the same time, like I was listening to it and I was just like the sad ass song that everyone is eating up by this 16 year old girl. And it just kind of made me uncomfortable. Um, and it made me uncomfortable because of this. I feel like us as a society have grown accustomed 
to trauma bonding. You know what I'm saying? Where we've grown accustomed to sharing our traumatic experiences, sharing our um, vulnerabilities for the approval of others and for the, you know, sensation of being seen and for the pity of others. You know what I'm saying? Like, and that I'm not without, um, I have no excuses either. Cause like a couple months ago I, I wrote on my Instagram about how, um, I had the situation with being, you know, accused of uh, a certain thing and like how, uh, I was sexually taken advantage of and things of that nature. But like, I felt the need to post that for the approval of people so people could see me as a human being unless of what they were seeing me as at the moment. And it's just like, I think back at it now and it's just like, why did I do that? You know what I'm saying? It's just like, why did I have, why did I feel the need to go out of my way and do that? And like, why also does a 16 year old girl feel the need to write about this, this overaged um boy that she was dating at the time if you don't know olivia rodrigo as far as i'm concerned could be wrong if i'm wrong clock me on it please but like olivia rodrigo was dating joshua bassett who was older than her at the time uh when they were dating and everything um and it well beyond age making me uncomfortable it's just like we're normalized as human beings to allow ourselves to be overly emotionally vulnerable like how i just got in a twitter kind of thing with this white gay who made a tiktok about him crying about how people in the gay community don't communicate and listen which is valid but it's just like why did you have to post this traumatic ass breakdown that you're having for the approval of me tom dick and harry you know what I'm saying? Like, why do we feel the need to do that? And like, I think that vulnerability is absolutely beautiful, but like displaying personal moments of like absolute dread for the approval of people. Like, I mean, like a part of me, I didn't only do, I didn't only make that post about my assault for the approval of others. A part of it was so people get the fuck off my back. <laughs> um, but another part of it was just because like, maybe someone else has gone through something like this and they need to know that they're not alone. But like, also like, why does someone have to read of my trauma to not feel alone in theirs? I don't know. I have very conflicting feelings. And I also had a thought about like kind of cancel culture in itself. I was listening to Bob, the drag queen and money exchanges uh, podcast called sibling rivalry. And it kind of opened my eyes to a lot about cancel culture in itself. Like if you don't know, cancel culture basically is like when, you know, people get canceled. Like here's the thing. Cancel culture does not work. If a person is in a systemic part or a systemic place of power over a group of individuals, that person cannot be canceled, in my opinion. That person will still be getting money. That person will still be getting funding. That person will still have outreach, yada, yada, yada. There's no way to truly cancel a person. You can hold people accountable for their actions, but you can't like cancel them. And I think cancel culture has gotten so diluted because it's not about it's not about holding someone accountable. It's about like humiliating individuals because some people genuinely deserve to be canceled for shitty things that they have done with evidence. You know what I'm saying? But like anyone can say anything about any individual at any time and the media can consume that and be like, okay, that's fact. You know what I'm saying? And it's just like, I don't think that's fully 
fully fair. I don't know. This might be very controversial for me to think, but you know, I have a black ass mouth and a black ass mind. So I'm allowed to think with my black ass thoughts, but it's just like at the end of the day, no matter how much like apology and atonement one does for what they have done or didn't do, people will still be upset. People will still be mad. People will still have opinions. People will still be cussing and fighting and being like, oh, well, you did this, yada, 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 yada. There's lack of room for growth for some individuals. You know what I'm saying? Like, no matter what you do, no matter what you say, individuals will have opinions and they will talk and they will feel however they feel. It doesn't matter. You know what I'm saying? Like, and that's why I live a life or, and I hope that others live lives where like they are just like living it to where they're pursuing joy. Like, I'm not saying looking through the world with like rose colored glasses on, but I mean like they're seeking joy. They're putting their personal private peace first and they're not worrying about too much of the other bullshit. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, all that I could do in these tough past months of my life were just like stay true to who I was and keep it consistent and keep it cute and continue to blossom and become a better person and keep cute, close people near me. You know what I'm saying? Like that's all you can really do. So like, I guess I say all that to say the media has an abundance of influence into how we feel. And like, the more that the media allows us to see certain things and be captured by certain things, the more like that line of progression will continue to grow. You know what I'm saying? Like we all see driver's license by Olivia Rodrigo and we feel her emotion and things of that nature because we feel like we're supposed to, you know what I'm saying? I don't know. I I, I don't know. We, and I also added two topics in the one. I just wrote down notes of like what I had in that conversation with my sibling. Um, I hope that makes sense. Um, don't cancel me, I guess. I don't know. Um, but let's go ahead and get into our weekly obsession by bi-weekly obsession. Um, my bi-weekly obsession, I actually have two bi, get it? Uh, obsessions this week. My first obsession is sibling rivalry with Bob the Drag Queen and Monet Exchange. I did not realize how good that podcast was until I started listening. I have listened to almost every episode so far. And like their commentary, like the way that they go back and forth with one another is so freaking captivating. It's so nice. Like I love listening to, and it's also like, I've started to try to listen to more podcasts to make me a better podcaster, I guess you could say. And like, I've learned so much about like structure and like how to carry personal conversation from listening to them. Like if you haven't listened to sibling rival rivalry by uh, Bob the drag queen and uh, Mona exchange, and I'm sure it's on every streaming platform, go listen to it. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. And my second, uh, we bi-weekly obsession is okay i have been waiting for this since october finally after waiting many moons and many nights and many suns and many rises and you know slaying the magic dragon and you know going through soot and water and rain and snowstorms i have finally received my a strange loop script by michael r jackson let me just say, I love A Strange Loop with all of my heart. This show will hold a special place in my heart for years and years and years to come. This has to be one of the best shows 
to exist. I and I mean that. I don't know. I'm worried about the transfer to Broadway because Broadway is so what well, I mean, like the Broadway we know is so white and they hate the N-word and they hate controversial things and they hate shocking, striking art shit. So I'm, I'm worried about the transfer to Broadway for the show, but like overall, I love this show so much. I want to play Usher so bad. It if you don't know the the show, it's basically a black queer writer writing about his life and a show and a show and a show. And there, it's like, that's just the blatant uh, black line of what the show is about. But um, it's, there's so many multifaceted things. It talks so heavily about like the black queer fat, the fat black queer experience and like how this character navigates as a fat black queer person in the theater industry. And it's, it's so, and not even theater industry as a black person, as a black man in America, as a black, fat person dating as a queer person just navigating navigating through life and with his family and everything it's like it's like looking in a freaking mirror when i listen to the soundtrack and when i read it um i haven't i haven't gotten deeply into it because i've been working on stuff and stuff like that but like i will finish the script like i oh my god i want to be in the show so bad it's so good if you do yourself a service and go watch a video go listen to the soundtrack do everything you possibly can because mark my words that will be the next big thing in like a couple years, probably by the end of this year. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, I need to go into my bi-weekly affirmation. Uh, so let me put my serious voice on. Let me, let me get, let me get really close to the mic. Yes. Listen to the sound of my voice. Um, anyway, <laughs> my bi-weekly affirmation this week, it has to go to the legendary now iconic Amanda Gorman, who gave a sickening poem today at the U.S. uh, inauguration. She stated, there's always light. If only we were brave enough to see it. If only we were brave enough to be it. We lift up our gaze, not to what stands between us, but what stands before us. And when I tell you, just like watching that poem, like watching her recite her poem meant so much to me because it's just like, yes, she's talking, she's talking about the state of America, but also like putting that poem into my own personal context, like not going to lie. Like I have been falling on rough times financially, emotionally, uh, everything in between, like I'm sitting here and recording this podcast on my bed right now, but it's just like, I don't know what the next several months of my life are going to look like. I don't know what I'm going to be doing. I don't know who I'm going to be with. I don't know where I'm going to be at. You know what I'm saying? And that uncertainty creeps in on you. You know what I'm saying? It's just like you, like this pandemic overall, like you think that your life is going to go one particular way and then like life just throws you a curveball and you know, it's, it's kind of inevitable. Um, however, having bravery and having a push to know that I will get through this and like, I will make my dreams come true and that I will meet that light at the end of the tunnel. That comforts me. It truly comforts me. And like, I have to keep that faith and you have to keep that faith. We all have to keep that faith because like we owe it to ourselves 
to give ourselves a chance and to be brave and to work every day to find that light. So thank you, Amanda Gorman. Like you don't understand how much that poem meant to me. Like I'm going to work. I'm going to keep working to find my light. Woo. All right. That's another episode, babies. Uh, <laughs> um, welcome. Well, well, not welcome. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for listening to another episode of uh, the drum roll. The transition period. Yay. Um, you can follow the period on Instagram at the at transition period pod and on Twitter at trans period pod. That's T-R-A-N-S-P-E-R-I-O-D-P-O-D on Twitter and tr- the word transition period pod on Instagram. And you can also follow my personal Instagram and Twitters, um, especially my Twitter, because bitch, that's when the real me comes out, comes out like my, tw- my personal Twitter Jesus, like, oh my gosh, it's a mess. But anyway, my personal Twitter and my Instagram are T-H-E Gary Fuqua. That's T-H-E-G-A-R-Y-F-U-Q-U-A. Um, I'm, I'm just very fortunate to be in this space. I'm very fortunate to have a voice that speaks, a microphone that picks up audio, and um, a heart that loves. I'm very, very uh, fortunate to be recording this episode this week for you all. I hope you all have enjoyed it. If you enjoyed it, please, please, please. Oh, I sounded like JLo. Um, please uh, make sure you give it five stars on on apple podcasts and everywhere that you can rate podcasts i deeply 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 appreciate it make sure that you share this episode with your friends so they can get in on the period and yeah that's pretty much all i have to say i covered everything i came here to cover damn this is a long ass episode this is almost this is pushing a hour damn gary shit okay anyway let me go ahead and wrap things up uh i love you all wear your mask uh, wash your hands and shake some ass. I'll see you next period. Bye bye. This is a little end of the episode tag. Um, <laughs> I just checked my phone and this white gay just called me ignorant for claiming that people of color have it harder in the gay community than white cis males. It's going to be a long week. See you next period.